Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. We are here to talk about football school. Mm. Been a while since, been a hot minute since you or I were in school. But right now we're in football school. Football school, yes. Kind of. We're watching football school. Yeah, we're not in it. We're not in it. Um, but, you know, here to give you our takeaways, is, this is kind of the, not the first step, of the process of the off season that really starts with the kind of the strength and conditioning program. This is like step two where they take it to the field and uh, you know, there's no offense versus defense. There's no one-on-one matchups. There's no anything of that, but we're getting, you, you see players running routes on air and some of that stuff. Um, so you start to get a little bit of a feel for what could be. Uh, so we're going to break that all down and give you kind of our first, 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 first impressions yeah. of this and, team. And then, honestly, I mean, look, in terms of what's happening on the field, just to kind of give you a perspective, like, they're they're not even in uniform numbers right now. They're in, I'm having a hard time. It, it, I'm honestly, some guys. <laughs> yeah. All the reporters like, who is that over there? Seriously. It's, it's kind of far, you know? Um, so, like, we're not going to overstate, like, what we're seeing on the field in terms of what that the football means action about the season and who's winning the left guard spot based on what we've seen from uh, one day of football. School. The hottest competition so far that I saw was the get off drill yeah. for the defensive linemen and, and linebackers outside linebackers. You know, coach stands there, both hands out to his side and it's who can get off the line of scrimmage and tap his hand first. Who can slap his hand. It was getting spicy. It was. Brody, Broderick Washington had some trash talk going on. He and Jeremiah Moon f- met in the finals. <laughs> um, I even saw, did you notice the, the assistant coach who was running the drill did a fake like, little interview, got a soundbite from each one of them. Before, <laughs> they should have called some of the reporters. Hey, guys, come on over. Seriously, before the championship match there, <laughs> uh, Jeremiah Moon won. All right. Bravo. I mean, I think he's in store for a Pro Bowl season now. Yeah, we can there, say that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there's just not a ton to say for the football action, but we've heard from guys yeah. and and stuff. So, kind of looking at all that. Yeah, and I think you can get a sense in in hearing from. We've had a chance now to hear from all the coordinators uh, over the past two weeks. Yep. Um, and also some of the players, and so you can get a feel for what's happening both on the field and behind the scenes. The classroom work is a really important component of all this. So um, we do want to give you our takeaways from that. So, you know, one thing, I guess, just to to start it off, I'll I'll start with today um, and what we saw out there today. And I I think that as it stands right now, my eyes are a little bit more focused on the defense because you have more of your defensive starters here. Uh, on the offensive side, you don't have many offensive starters really here. So you have some more veteran defensive players here. Um, and so, yeah, I did final drive today on, on Roquan Smith and Marlon Humphrey, who were two of the leaders of this team. As they're kind of like, you can you can feel them here. Like, mm-hmm. you can see them. They're, they're leaders. You can They bring energy. Yep. Um, and I think they're kind of setting the tone. Uh, for the defensive side of the ball. And, um, you know, they expect to be one of the best defenses in the league and, and carry on. Like, at the end of last year, the defense was really good. Really right. good. Um, and those two players were, were really playing at a high level. And I think they want to build that, build on that. Well, Mike McDonald said that. Yeah, he's like, you know, we kind of turned it on at the midway point last year. And, obviously, the addition of Roquan Smith was a, a factor in that, yeah. a big factor. Um, and now, you know, you think about how well Roquan played last year. Well, now, you know, you signed the big extension, Right, become the highest paid linebacker in, in football, inside linebacker in football. And, you know, you go into an offseason now saying kind of, All right, I'm the I'm the leader in the middle of this defense. Um, and 
what kind of impact can I have now with a full off season yeah. of him getting used to the guys, them getting used to him and kind of all getting on the same page from the very beginning. What kind of defense can we be from the jump? Right. And um, so it is really good to see him and Marlon and, you know, even some other veteran defensive players, you know, I mean, you saw, uh, Rocky Sin got out there, Michael yeah. Pierce, Justin Matabike, you know, going into year four, uh, Brent Urban, Broderick Washington, like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Jabo, you know, is year two, but like, you know, he's in a big position. Yeah. Adafi Owe, year three. So it's good to see a lot of those defensive starters and projected starters out there. Yeah, I think I want to touch on Jabo and, and Owe here in a second. The sure. other thing I would say that to the point about the defense kind of ascending at, at the end of the season, they had they had bumps early on in the year, as we know, last year. Then they kind of ascended at the end. The addition of Roquan Smith was no small part of that, but it, it does go beyond him. I think part of it was learning the system, and, and Mike did talk this week about, like, if you go back to last year at this time, they they were going through a transition in terms of the system, and so the vocabulary was much different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always, you know, I feel like last year, like sometimes that stuff gets downplayed, but then like a year removed, it's like, well, yeah, there was it was a transition. Like guys were right. learning a new system, they're learning new. There's vocabulary. no excuses when you're the bullets are flying when you're in the middle of the season. There's no like, yeah, but well, it's the first year, yeah, new, you know, new defensive coordinator. There's going to be some communication lapses. You just don't say that, yeah, of course, right? Of course. But there are, they happen, yeah, right. And like we saw that, especially the Miami game comes to mind, you know. Yeah. And it was also finding some guys' best fits in mm-hmm. the system. Where does Kyle Hamilton fit best? You know, as a rookie, mm-hmm. now that role will probably change this year. Yep, in his second year. But like that was part of the process early last year too. Yeah, I got the sense from Mike that he just feels like now that the system is in place, now you can just like kind of add on top. Like the foundation's there, the house is built. Now you can work on uh, decorating. Decorating. You know, you put <laughs> the pictures up on the wall and stuff uh-huh. like that. Like the the house is there, the foundation is in place, um, and I think that the defense is going to be really good. And, and I, I I just you know you mentioned Kyle Hamilton, and it's early, so a lot of this stuff will be figured out. But like the one of the things that I love about Mike is that he just. I think he is creative and molds his system to the players that he has and wants to put guys, wants to get the best 11 guys on the field as mm-hmm. much as possible. And that's mm-hmm. what he did last year with Kyle Hamilton um, and basically found that nickel role for him. Will they still use him in that role this year? Well, I don't think as much. Well, he talked about, to, you know, you asked him about, do you expect to play with as many three safety looks right. as often with three safeties as you did last year? And he kind of was like, you know, possibly not, maybe not. We don't know. It all depends yeah. on kind of, the personnel, you know, it, there's been buzz about Adrian Amos. If he, if he comes aboard, well, then you probably will use him more, mm-hmm. you know, and use more three safety looks. If not, then you're probably using more of a traditional nickel corner as opposed to a big, you know, as opposed to Kyle Hamilton yeah. safety in that role, you know, but yeah. And, and even speaking to your point about versatility and, and, you know, guys playing different positions and whatnot, you know, I asked him, kind of how do you replace for lack of a better mm-hmm. word Calais Campbell who's irreplaceable um in many aspects uh but you know his answer was again kind of a, a rotation you know and like versatile players playing them in different roles you maybe you have an outside linebacker who you know uh kind of goes down hand in his dirt in the dirt got a guy reduces on passing situations and, and rushes from the inside and then you have Maybe Kyle Hamilton on the edge, basically, in that situation. Like, there's a lot of different options. Obviously, the young defensive linemen will kind of rotate and be part of that, and just more opportunities for Broderick Washington, Travis Jones, and Justin Matabike, even to get after the passer. You know, you think 
Calais Campbell is a guy who finished third in sex right. on the team last year, right. something like that. I mean, had a, a tick up in sack production last year. Well, those pass rush opportunities are going to somebody else. So Justin Matabike, I think Matabike finished second. I don't have the stats in front of me. I think Matabike <laughs> finished second. Um, and so, like, what can he do with more pass rush opportunities? You pulling it up? I'm pulling it up. There's Quick no fingers. way Matabike was second. I think it was Justin Houston and Patrick Queen. <laughs> was it? <laughs> we'll see here. All right. All right. Finish your point, up. though. Uh, so, you know, like, what can... Broderick Washington was like one of the more bigger pleasant surprises on the defense last year. Played had a, a very strong season. Like he's going to get more opportunities. So uh, Mike will be kind of creative in who they plug into that spot. It's not going to be like, all right, Travis Jones, your next man up, your starter. Mm-hmm. You're just going to play the Calais role. It's going to be kind of by rotation and also think outside the box, like having an outside linebacker playing in that spot. And then, you know, somebody else kind of stepping into the outside linebacker role, whether that's a corner or safety, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, also, by the way, just a little promo here, go check out the Ravens press pass podcast feed, because we're talking about what Mike McDonald said, what David Ajabo yep. said, what Adafi always said, those full pressers are posted for you in the Ravens press pass podcast feed. So you can go ahead and listen to them there. I was wrong. All right. So Justin Houston, nine and a half. Yep. Matt BK Calais tied with five and a half. All and then right. Patrick Queen at five. See, there you go. So I had that flip, but yeah, Matt BK Calais and then Patrick Queen was at five. Yeah. Um, so, We'll see. Um, yeah. How that, I, I think. I mean, look. I think you want to start talking about Owe and Ajabo here. I mean, I think that those two guys. There's a lot on their shoulders this year, and I think that they recognize that and they right. feel that. When we're talking about sacks. We're talking about sacks, and guys. those are the players who the Ravens expect to get the most. Yeah. And they drafted Ajabo in the second round, first round talent. Had it not been for the injury, and they drafted Odafeo in the first round. Like mm-hmm. those are the guys coming off the edge who they want to get to the quarterback, and like. They, they they recognize need they need to get to the quarterback. <laughs> Justin Houston's not here right now. Who knows if that changes? Right. Reports of significant interest from multiple teams. So he may have you know his option to choose right. from uh, coming off of. We've all kind of been like staff, being like, staff. yeah, they'll just bring back Justin Houston at some point, and like maybe they do. I, you know, I, I kind of hope so, but maybe they don't. Yeah, right. And if they don't, like the storyline of. A lot being on Ojabo and Owe's shoulders, and obviously Tyus Bowser, who was one of the leading sack guys before Zakili's tear uh, two years ago. Well, there's going to be a lot on their on their shoulders if that happens. What did you think in hearing from the two of them today? I mean, I think confident dudes who are ready to have a kind of a breakout year. You know, I think that Owe like was learned from his second year. You know, he called it kind of a learning year. Yep. Like, it was kind of had to deal with opponents knowing more about him and having a better plan for him. And we've seen that from guys even in years past. Zedarius Smith, I, I point to. Zedarius Smith, when he, I've referenced a lot of stats that I wish I just had right at my fingertips <laughs> here. Um, his first season in the league had like six sacks. See, I, I, now I want to get it. I want to get it. Um, and then his rookie year, it really dropped off. Like his, his second year. I'm sorry, his second year. So his rookie year, he had five and a half sacks. Second year, one sack. Yep. 
right? And then he turned third year, three and a half, and then up to eight and a half, 13 and a half, like then he broke out, right? So like, it's not, it's not unheard of for a pass rusher to kind of be a situational guy as a rookie. You know, they say basically go get the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then year two, there's more on your plate and it's a little bit of a harder adjustment and opponents know you more and, and all that. And, uh, you know, Mike McDonald said that Adafi did a lot of good things on the field. It wasn't like it's a, it was a lost year by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but there's no doubt that like, this is a big year three for him. Just like we were talking about with Patrick Queen last off season. This is a big year three for Adafi Owe. I think he recognizes that and like feels good about the direction that he's going. Yeah. I mean, Owe, the thing with Owe, I think part of it was as a rookie, like he had a, he had a good rookie season. Mm-hmm. You know, he had five sacks and you saw those flashes and you feel like, okay, this well, yeah, is a I guy mean, who's like, game, on, like the, the on the ascent, you know, yeah. and like star potential first round pick. And like last training in, camp, we were all predicting double digit sacks for the yeah, game. Everyone, like if you go listen to the season predictions podcast, I think both of us said that he might lead the team in sacks. Yes. And so it didn't happen. He had three sacks last year. And so he called it a learning year. And um, I thought it was interesting, both, you know, him and Ajabo, and Mike McDonald talked, you know, about Chuck Smith. Um, oh. Doctor pra- Rush, high praise for Doctor Rush. Doctor Rush, uh, the new outside linebackers coach. They t- spoke really highly of him, the perspective that he's bringing. You know, he's got experience as a player, and also, you know, is basically this technician of helping guys get to the quarterback. That's where the Doctor Rush nickname comes from. Mm-hmm. And so, based on early, you know, the early indication is that the players are really high on what he's bringing in that regard. Yeah. Now, of course, you got to bring it to the field, and it's still football school, like we said at the top. But they think that, like, you know, Owe talked about how he just got some like really nuanced ideas on like the pass rush front, yeah. um, and that part of that comes from his knowledge as a player. Yeah. And um, pretty pretty clear, also, like, you know, when asked like what areas of your game do you feel like you need to improve on. Oftentimes you'll get kind of just a cliche everything, yeah, or like something, and like Adafio Owe, like always, like three very specific things, you know, like my rip when I'm coming off of the block, my balance wasn't good, so I need to like work on this, like you know, like pretty specific stuff that he's attacking. Always mm-hmm. a he's a thoughtful player. He is. He's I a, always enjoy talking to Adafio. Yeah, Adafi. yeah, he's a uh, he's a really thoughtful guy and player, and you know. I, he and Mike McDonald talked about like his approach this offseason, that like kind of the him getting after it and the the work that he's putting in, like he's impressed. Been impressed both by. those guys, like Ajabo went to back to Scotland for a little bit right after the season ended, but he's been in here like even before the players were back mm-hmm. here for the start of the offseason program. Like he's been in the building when it's just like one or two guys here. Yep, and he's been working really hard behind the scenes. He's well, put on sure. some weight, put on ten pounds of muscle. He said so. When we're talking about both those guys, like Ojabo to me is just kind of like radiant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right now. Like you just really get the feeling that he's like in a good place, that he feels good. Really he's good, good as long as you don't bring up the Achilles. Well, yeah, well, that's part of it. It's kind of like he's like that is in the past. That is history. The Achilles and all that stuff. Like I don't even want to talk about that stuff. You know, like it's all like eyes forward. And, um, like, feels really good about the position that he's in physically. Um, that, like, he's full go from the Achilles. There's no remaining aspects of that in any way, physically. And mentally, in a good spot. You know, feels like... You know, he obviously knew that he was going to miss all of or much of 
you know, much of his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that he thought, you know, I remember John Harbaugh saying, like, oh, yeah, Ojabo thinks he's going to be back out there week six or whatever, right? And, like, he ultimately was practicing but wasn't active for games. And, yeah. like, they really kind of took their time with him, right? But And did not want to rush him back. And that's frustrating. Like, that's got to be – that's tough, tough for any player, like, coming back and basically losing a full season. Yeah. Especially if you feel like – you really want to contribute and you feel like, like I can and, and whatnot. And you're just not getting on the field. He basically played in one game. Yeah. He played in three and had like two snaps into him. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I think from a mental standpoint, like now seeing what lies ahead in the position that he's in, that he's going to be relied on and, uh, you know, physically feeling good. Like he's just seems like he's in a really good place. Well, I mean, physically he said he's 110%. And yeah. so, like when someone, you know, after like the, you know, that extra ten percent makes a big difference. Yes, <laughs> extra ten. After after like the fourth question about the injury, he's like, honestly, I don't even like when people bring it up anymore. Like, yeah, I, I'm looking ahead, like you said, I'm healthy, like I'm good to go. And mm-hmm. so, like sometimes you hear guys say, like, you know, last year I never really felt right, and I'm, I'm still working on my way back and stuff like that. Like, he's like he no. does not seem like a guy who is still finding his way and like working mm-hmm. through it. He seems like he's healthy. And he feels good, and he's ready to go. Um, and so, I, I definitely think that there, you know, there's going to be a lot on him. And, and also, like part of the reason for, and Mike McDonald also talked about this. Like part of the reason that he was inactive down the stretch a lot was he's working his way back. So, like, you know, if there's the physical component, but also the Ravens had Justin Houston and Jason Pierre-Paul, and Tyus Bowser and Adafi Owe. Right. So, like, who are you sitting down in that mix? And, like, Ajaba was an unknown. Like, he's like, all right, well, this guy has never played. He's coming off a torn Achilles. We're basically in this playoff hunt. We right. don't really, yeah. we're not really go in with position. The You're going to go with the guy who's leading the team in sacks. Well, yeah. exactly. Or, or like Jason Pierre-Paul, like right. a veteran who's been there. He's been in Super Bowls. And, like, yeah. Yeah. you're like, you know what? I'm going to go with him because... I know it's more of a proven commodity right. at that point last year. And so, like, as much as I'm sure they wanted to get more snaps for Ajabo, it was difficult to find the opportunity to do so. Um, so, yeah, I, I think well, that... And just, like, all around physically when you're coming off that injury, like, sure, maybe your, your Achilles is healed. You're clear to play. Yeah, yeah. But, like, physically, there's just such a all-around difference from year one to year two. Well, that was, like, also what he said. He said, yes, he's, he's added weight now, right. but he lost weight when he's was dealing with the Achilles because like you can't move around. You can't Yeah. You can't work out. I, I always go back, I remember Steve Smith talking about how he had his like his normal calf and his baby calf. He like I thought you were gonna talk about Ja Harv's quote about his beach legs. Oh <laughs> that was a good one too. Yeah. Ojama was the beach legs are gone. Yeah. These are mountain climbing legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so I look I am excited about the two of those guys. Yeah, for sure. All right, you wanna flip it over to offense? Let's do it. All right, first let's take a break. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. We want our listeners and our viewers to know that the DraftKings Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of the Baltimore Ravens that has a limited time offer that you do not want to miss. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using the code FLOCK. 
New customers can get a deposit bonus of up to $1,000. That's only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code FLOCK. Make sure you play responsibly. And for help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. You need to be physically present in Maryland to play, and you can get more information at DraftKings.com. All right, so the offense, uh, as you mentioned, you know, Few less to talk about here because less of the the big players we would talk about mostly are on the field, right? Uh, you know, Lamar's not out there. J.K. Gus Andrews Bateman OBJ, really the entire starting line except for Linderbaum, right? Are not out there. Yeah. Um, so honestly, McCarry's been here, so he McCary. could end up as a starting left guard. That's true. Just, just yep. to throw that out there. Yep. 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 Very true. Thank you. Um, so you know, in all honesty, I think it makes it a little more difficult for Todd Munkin to really get like sink his teeth into installing the offense. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just the facts, right? You know, he's said last week, he's happy about the guys who are here and excited about the guys who are here, but some guys aren't. Yeah. And so like now OTAs, hopefully you cross your fingers that they're here. You know, we're still in the voluntary portion of football school. It's all voluntary. So the Ravens, of course, coaches always want players to be here. That's just how it is for every coach in the league. Uh But it is what it is, right? You make the best of what the situation presents itself, and it's voluntary. That's just what it is. So, yeah. um, you know, he the the offense is getting a lot of plays in. Like you can see uh, the tempo. I think mm-hmm. you know, like you see kind of Todd Munkin. Like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna work some tempo here, even though it's like we're installing a playbook. Like we're gonna start working it. You know, and uh, the biggest takeaway for me: Zay Flowers. Mm. Zay Flowers looks what, one one day. You've seen one day of Zay Flowers in action. The rookies were not here last week. They are here this week. So one day of Zay Flowers, and your takeaway is what? Well, he was already my guy, and now he's like <laughs> even more my guy. Okay, okay. All right. So I'm just I'm just plant my flag. If you didn't know my flag was planted, this you, is this is the, this is the overcompensate. You're still salty that I nailed him in the mock, so you have to overcompensate and re- now just be like my guy Zay, my guy Zay, my guy Zay, even though I nailed it in the mock. You got, as I've said, you got the. <laughs> you got to right, overcompensate. You got to overcompensate. It's okay. It's he's okay. My guy, and after seeing him on the field, even more my guy. The flag is firmly planted, my friend. Well, so don't you come around. All right, you're second on the bus. No, okay. I, I, I'm driving the bus. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, well, this is kind of. I don't think he's going to be doing this, but he's. But I like this. He's fluid catching punts. Like I don't expect him to be the punt returner. Yeah. Devin DuVernay, would, I would expect to be the punt returner, okay? Right. But, like, I just, I like when a player is back there confident. I, to me, that just shows his, like, ability to, like, be confident catching the football and fluid. Yeah. And, like, when they put him back there, he looks pretty natural doing it. So, yeah. like, again, that's not something he's going to be doing, but I think that that is a good sign for just him and his transition. Well, what really stuck out stuck out to me was, like, his feet are so good mm-hmm. like he has just such quick feet and so the last i think it was like the last play of practice today um was like a 10 or 15 yard comeback basically and granted they're running routes on like against like air air and like <laughs> scout like me and you wearing these big hideous jerseys uh-huh. And like scouting interns and coaching interns and stuff, right? Like are just like standing back there, like tapping yeah, d- during this basically. portion. Just the listeners know, like there's no there's no one offense on defense or no one on wants. Yeah, exactly. It's none of that stuff. So you know he's running it on air, but like the way he broke off that route, 
like the coaching intern who kind of is like shadowing or whatever was like 10 yards off, you know, like mm-hmm. just he would have destroyed your ankles. He would have just <laughs> I, murdered I hope your so. ankles. I hope he would. <laughs> I hope if Zay Flowers couldn't destroy my ankles and running a route, then we got problems. <laughs> it was impressive, like uh-huh. how quick he broke that, snapped that off. And like just his feet, like in like kind of getting his feet under him and just catching the ball, like it's subtle, but like turning up field and the, the balance that he has and getting his feet in the right position to like, as soon as he catches the ball, he's like upfield. He's moving. Right. Like I just thought it was impressive. Yeah. I I, th- I thought he looked good, and like I said, the punt the punt returning thing. Like he's not going to be doing that, I don't think. But I just like a guy who's confident catching the football wherever it is. If it's on punts, if it's on if he's a receiver, like mm-hmm. that's something that I like to see. So um, I thought that was encouraging. All right, so who's winning the left guard? Well, uh, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The other the other thing that actually Nelson Aguilar uh, yep, was here he was today, and something that like that stood out to me like Nelson Aguilar physically looks the part of what you like in wide receiver. Like, he's a big guy. And the Ravens don't have a big receiving core. Rashad Bateman's not been out there, so, like, Bateman's a a bigger guy. But, like, Aguilar, in comparison to Duvernay, Zay Flowers, Tylen Wallace, James Prochet, that's the other guys who are out there, the receiving core. Aguilar is a much bigger guy in that mix. Six foot, 198. Yes. But... What's Zay Flowers? Right. Well, the comparisons here, when you're talking about a six foot one ninety eight guy being so big, no, it's not like he's like <laughs> Julio Jones out there. But I'm just saying, like he's a bigger bodied wide receiver in comparison to the rest of that group. And the Ravens don't have a very, especially right now, without Bateman and without Odell Beckham Jr. here. Um, it's just like well, Odell's five eleven. Well, I know. I'm saying, but like there's eight six one. Yeah, Bateman's a Bateman's a bigger body receiver. Yeah, not I mean, like, yeah. I'm just saying with Aguilar, like he. In comparison to the rest of those guys, like he is a, he looks, he looks good. Yeah. He looks like, he looks like a bigger receiver who can go up and make some, you know, some good catches. And I think that we've kind of forgotten about (laughs) him. You're just watching him standing next to Zay. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you're like, this guy's a giant. No, it's not a giant, but he, like, he's a bigger receiver. Uh Like the Ravens don't have, especially with the guys who are here right now, a big receiving core. And so, like, I, I think we've kind of forgotten about Nelson Aguilar a little bit. And, like, I don't expect him to be a thousand yard receiver this year, but, like, the Ravens have said on multiple occasions, like, don't forget, we also signed Nelson Aguilar here, mm-hmm. and I think that he could end up being a pretty important piece of this offense. Well, yeah, I agree, and this isn't a takeaway from practice or anything, but like Nelson Aguilar does not have to be the dude here. No, right? Like he does not have to be a He'd starter. Be the fourth receiver, but exactly. That could be important. And like whenever in his career he doesn't have to be the dude, he's been very good. Yeah, and so yeah, I think he can like definitely. I mean, he's like. Demarcus Robinson was wide receiver one last year, yeah. right? Like if if he is the Demarcus Robinson of this year is your number four, you're in a good shape, exactly. right? Like I think, and obviously he, the big play potential, like that's what he's really here for. It's not a high volume guy as wide receiver four, but can you make some plays over the top? Can you threaten? Can you stretch defenses? Like, yes. And I agree with you that like he looks the part of like, he looks tuned up. Like he looks like a veteran wide receiver. Like I'm like, who's that guy? Oh, Nelson Aguilar, yeah. Sign me up. I'll take him on my team. Sure, exactly. <laughs> and, and like he's the veteran as of, of who was out there today. You know, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a you know Devin Duvernay too. You know, it's, it's like kind of a mm-hmm. 
uh, multi-year guy, you know, going into his fourth year. But um, so I, I liked what I saw from him in, in limited, you know, limited action. Also, I want to go back to what you know, just we heard from Todd Munkin last week. So he talked with reporters last week. And so that was a chance to just kind of hear from him about how the install process is going and what mm-hmm. he thinks and how he wants to use these guys. Um, and we also heard from Devin DuVernay. And DuVernay was glowing in his commentary around Munkin's offense. Like mm-hmm. He feels like it's going to be a perfect fit for this receiving core. So I thought that was encouraging to hear. Mm-hmm. And like, so- I think it's going to be a good fit. Uh, it's kind of one thing, sorry to cut you off, is I think it's going to be a good fit for Devin DuVernay too. Like There hasn't been a lot of buzz about Devin DuVernay as an offensive weapon because of all these other guys. Like We just got done saying Nelson Aguilar's wide receiver four. Where does that leave Devin DuVernay? Mm-hmm. Right? But like... Todd Munkin used a lot of like jet sweep motion, preset motion, like that kind of stuff. Like suits Devin Duvernay pretty darn well. Yeah. Like, talk about a speedy guy. I mean, Devin Duvernay is one of the fastest players on the team. He might be Todd the Mon- fastest. Right. Todd Munkin wants speed in his, his offense. Like, like, I know that like Devin Duvernay, you know, once he became like a starter, once Bateman went down, like his numbers, he got off to a hot start and his numbers trailed off and then he got injured offensively, right? He kind of like did not have a, a ton of production from the midpoint on. But like, I've always said like, I like when that guy has the ball in his hands. Yeah, totally. Right? Like he makes plays. And like, I don't know that he's again going to be a high volume guy, but like as kind of a compliment to Nelson Aguilar, as like these are guys that have traits mm-hmm. that like when they get an opportunity they can do something with it. Mm-hmm. Devin Duvernay is one of those guys, and I think that Todd Munkin's offense will suit him well. Yeah, and and what he said over and over again is like get guys the ball in space. He was asked about the spread offense last week, and he didn't really like dive <clears throat> into like oh I'm running a full spread offense now, but like mm-hmm. I just he wants to find creative ways to get the ball into it, the hands of his playmakers. Yeah, Devin Duvernay is one of those guys. Yep. There's a bunch of them with the additions that the Ravens have made this offseason. Um, the other big takeaway I heard in listening to Munkin is he was asked about quarterback run and the design yep. run game, which has been a huge piece of this offense. I mean, that's been kind of a calling card of Greg Roman's offenses mm-hmm. throughout his career. And it sure sounds like there's going to be less of that with Todd Munkin. Like, yeah. there will be... Because he wants to take less burden on Lamar Jackson. Yes. Basically. Like, when you have all these weapons, then there's less burden on one player to kind of carry the load now like you're not going to coach that out of him they're not going to say Lamar never run never run we don't want you like that's one of the things that makes him such a great player I think there's the scrambling is not going to change yes and Lamar even told us that right it's like yeah if I'm looking downfield and there's nobody open and like I have an opportunity to scramble like that's when you're going to see the highlights like start up the highlight film Mm -hmm. you know and um but like Lamar said it to us like running backs do the running you know, like called runs, like I think they're going to shade more towards that's a handoff yeah, and not as much of the quarterback designed run. Yeah. That's, that's, I think they're, that will still happen. Todd Munkin, you know, Stetson Bennett ran for 10 touchdowns last year. Mm -hmm. Like it will be a part of the Ravens offensive playbook. Absolutely. You will see the the called quarterback run, but I think certainly a lot less than Greg Roman did. Yeah. For example, you know, when the, the Ravens set the rushing record against the Broncos with a Lamar Jackson run yeah. on the last play. Yeah. You, I don't think you'll see that from Todd <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you're going to see that. I think Fangio it, will be a happy man. Uh, yeah, I think it's. <laughs> I just think it's going to be far, far less, far less. Um, all right, we have some emails here. As always, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. You know, the schedule came out last week. We did our schedule draft, <laughs> our travel draft. Yep. 
and I dominated and, you. And as always, we get more emails about the drafts than we do anything we actually talk <laughs> about related to the Ravens. I, I wonder if we should just do drafts every week and then make the Ravens comment content like secondary. <laughs> um, but I, I'll I'll give you I'll give you yep. the win. Yep. Yes. I'll, I'll give you the win. <sighs> The the emails have come in and the response is pretty one sided. I'll admit. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, of, this email from uh, Riley Mink's first dub is the subject line. Congrats to Ryan. <laughs> he got his first dub. He doesn't win many drafts. I'll give it to him, but he won this one. England and not the Christmas game. Plus, Scarrett took a preseason game in the third round. Come on, big <laughs> dubs. So uh, he said he loved that episode. Yep. That's the email from him. Um, this email from Alec Mink with the dubs is the subject line. Mink, a man of the people and a kindred spirit, spirit definitely wins the yes. scheduled draft. He masterfully played the board, grabbing elite games like at Cincinnati and at Steelers in the later rounds by exploiting Garrett's travel location bias. Yeah, seriously, EDC would be proud of how he navigated the board. I mean, I'm just saying tra- that the location is just you know as you're building out your board that's a pretty important piece of the equation here um you overcompensated though you were like you like went big on like the combine testing you know that was you for the location here, you just got enamored with trying to get to the beach <laughs> i just talk about i'm beach living legs. on the bench i'm living you're on the beach. Have them beach legs uh-huh <laughs> all right this one from jacob you know this is a this is a uh, slight bounce back for me he says, I'm a huge fan of the lounge. I've been listening forever. I just listened to the schedule release pod. He's from Richmond, Virginia, and he thinks it would be so cool to visit the Bay Area on Christmas. Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> uh, my dad's a huge 49ers fan. The Christmas rivalry would be Well, incredible. okay, fine. So, so that's not really, you know, the personal piece isn't. The point here that we need to focus on is that he says it would be great to visit that. So that's a, that's a, that's a win for me, okay? I got one email. <laughs> he said that was the steal of the draft. That was a steal of the draft. The other thing, too, he does point this out. He said the London game was a clear-cut number one pick. So, really, right. I was really in a Whoa, bind. Rock, paper, scissors. It decided My victory it. in rock, paper, scissors was big. That was because well, it's, like, it's a twofer. You get the London game and you don't get the Christmas game. Exactly. Exactly. This one says... But you, you know where you really flubbed it is, like, you could have had the preseason game that you wanted and still taken your pick of... Steelers or <laughs> I think it was Pittsburgh or Cleveland. Uh-huh. And you like just let me have the pick by taking the preseason game early. It was just a major error. Yeah, but that's only one game and beach life. That's beach life for me. Um, this email from John says, I definitely think Ryan won the draft because he got the London game, although Garrett can claim his choices are made more patriotic for sticking in the United States. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then the last one here is from Pat. Um, you got the win. Um, on the Dubs game, you know, Dubs game, we go through every Dubs every every game on the schedule. I think it's pretty accurate, although I hate to say it, but I think the Ravens will likely sub their toe at some point for a home game. Uh, I see your split with the Bengals, but probably another team catches the Ravens off guard at some point. Perhaps the Lions coming to town after mm-hmm. the game in London. That's a difficult game. Yeah, that is. Um, I don't want good. it to happen, but I think it's possible for the Ravens to come out uh, flat at 1 p.m. after a big London game. Um, so it's just, uh, okay. You know, that, that, that game is challenging. The, so if we're going worst case scenario, should we, what were we at? We had two losses before. Yeah, I think should it was we go 15 and two. So 14 and three, maybe worst right, case. Right. 14 and three, worst case. Well, 
that 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 game against Detroit, it will be a tough game. I mean, the London yeah. travel there and back is tough. Although it's not that different than the West Coast, realistically, for the Ravens as an East Coast team. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like you're Seattle making an eleven hour flight. Like, right. it's it's a six hour flight. You know, and so like that's not that different than the flight back from. I think that actually, I think that coming back from San Francisco on Christmas night and landing at like seven o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, whatever it is, might be even more difficult than coming back from the London game. Just for the record, right? Um, So, but but Detroit's going to be a good team. That's the expectation. So I think that that's a difficult assignment. Yeah, yeah, I agree. As always, you can email us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. we always appreciate your emails. Also, I said this earlier, but make sure you go and check out the uh, Ravens Press Pass podcast feed. We have the full press conferences posted for you there uh, from Mike McDonald, David Ajabo, and Odafe Owe. We are catching up with Tavius Robinson. Yeah. Uh, the rookie. The rookie. Uh, fourth round pick. We're catching up with him, and that episode is going to drop for you on Monday. Yep. So yeah, look tuned. forward to that. The full Canada story. Oh, Canada. <laughs> yeah. Cole Jackson on, now Tavius Robinson. And we got to get the story about him as goalie. That's yeah, exactly. We gotta get to the bottom of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you Monday. <laughs>